fake, fake, fakety fake. Hi, I'm Jody. I'm Caitlin. And welcome to Imperial News, where I spend my whole week listening to the far-right podcast, Rebel News, and talk about running over protesters with my friend Caitlin. Oh, no. How are you, Caitlin? I'm doing okay. <laughs> that doesn't sound great. Oh, preemptive uh I feel like you're anxiety. foreshadowing. <laughs> you're foreshadowing, aren't you? Indeed. So I've been trying to put it out there that we need $60 a month to cover all upfront costs, and I will continue to do that. But since this is the beginning of the month, we also need to take the time to thank those who have already contributed. Woo! The first on my list to thank are Durka, Tim, Darren, Ryan, Anthony, and Sarah. Thank you very much. You are our Laurentian elite. You're talking about the Laurentian elites? Folding from Laurentian elites. Canada's Laurentian elite. Lastly, we would like to thank our one and only foreign-funded environmentalist. So big thank you as well to Nicholas. Thank you, Nicholas. What's your message to world leaders today? is that we'll be watching you. How dare you? I am super humbled by the fact that people have donated to this podcast. When I started, I didn't imagine having this many cool people willing to support the work we are doing. So thank you very much. It would be amazing if we can cover our costs, though. If only five people were to donate at the $5 level, or three people at the $10 level, all our costs will be dealt with. So if you think what we're doing is worth it, you too can become a member by signing up on patreon.com slash imperial news. Thank you. And now the imperial roundup? Correct. Hello, my rebels. Hello, my rebels. I'm a good boy. I'm a weirdo. We're going to start with January 28th. Ezra wants to spend the show talking about liberal bias in media. Oh, a new topic. Yeah. <laughs> is it a new topic? Never is. <laughs> so he plays a clip with, I don't know if you've seen this. It's Don Lemon, Rick Wilson, and some other guy who can remain nameless. Okay, cool. <laughs> this is on CNN. It's something that happened recently. It went viral. Rick Wilson is talking about Trump voters. Did you hear about the uh, the Ukraine map thing with Mike Pompeo? Yes. So we covered that here. Rick Wilson is talking about that and then transitions to Trump people are dumb. Don Lemon starts laughing and then Rick Wilson goes a little bit further like putting on a southern affect and pretending to be like really stupid hmm. and don lemon's having a, a a big old laugh and the other person who's also not relevant is also like joining in trying to be funny but like <laughs> like we can ignore him he was not funny now rick wilson is the one who primarily does the mocking while don lemon is laughing and i wouldn't call don lemon a liberal in the sense, I think Ezra is trying to use it as some guy to the left. Anyways, I think he's more of a centrist, liberal Democrat type. Yeah. And then Rick Wilson, 
he's not liberal either. He's a conservative strategist and is one of the like never Trump Republicans that they always get on TV. And the thing I want to be clear about, and like I'm not going to play the clip, is that I don't think mocking Southerners is a good idea. And I do want to clarify that on this show, I call Ezra stupid a lot of the time and some of his guests. And I'm certainly frustrated with his audience, but I don't want to belittle his audience in any way, in part because this uh, that isn't strategically good, considering that it will further alienate people from progressive politics. It also serves Ezra in doing this segment in his show, arguing that elitist leftists are like laughing at everyday people, which I actually think played part of the role in which people ended up supporting Trump, or at least his base supported Trump and why Trump appealed to them. Because even Trump was perceived as this person who's being mocked constantly by these elitist leftists, just like we are. So a lot of people say like, how can these people support Trump? They're not even like Trump. Trump's like a millionaire and they'll never be that, right? The thing is, I think they shared an affinity of like, look at how the media mocks this person and they mock us in in a similar way, right? But more importantly, I sometimes wonder uh, that I could have been someone in his audience. I had my own drift into libertarianism when I was younger, and I believed That's weird. That's all scary. Yeah. <laughs> hey, I've read a lot of Ayn Rand. <laughs> Get out of here. Yeah. No, I. I... You've read it, but did, I thought it was more like, "What is this book?" Well, it, it was curious. more of that, but it was. I don't think I would have cracked it open if I didn't have like a slight like curiosity. Now, granted, this was in my like very early 20s and I have long. I'm in my early 20s, Jody. Yes. Well, not all of us could be as cool as you are. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't. I mean, I yeah, I I wasn't. uh, I obviously started my university career later, later on than, than you did. But that being said, so like I, I dabbled in, but I also dabbled in conspiracy theories. I used to believe that 9-11 was an inside job. And like all I'm saying is that I, I don't think I did this because I was stupid or anything like that. I just lacked the ability to critically assess things. I hadn't gone through any, uh, I hadn't had the experience that allowed me to like figure that out. But also I understand people who don't spend their lives sifting through the shit that we do. Like my parents, they work all day and they come home and they're tired and they just don't find the energy to put into dealing with this political shit. Yeah, it's true. And so I don't, I don't want to like put the blame uh, on people who for better or worse, uh, I don't think are in their position for some sort of like cognitive, cognitive deficit that this Rick Wilson is trying to pretend that they do. And I also don't want to sound like I'm giving a, a people a pass for shitty behavior But I think as someone who has spent a lot of time studying the far right, we need to take seriously how emotional aggrievement plays a role in mobilizing the ideological base of fascism. So a lot of these people feel like people are being mean to me and this like galvanizes them around Mm -hmm. some sort of like daddy figure. Right. Yeah. But I want to play a clip showing how Ezra gets to use this kind of material. And this is another reason not to do this because he comes across sounding reasonable to his audience. Now, when I play the clip, you're obviously like, we're going to disagree with the particulars, but you can see how, like, as an audience member, how, as an audience member who likes Ezra's material, how this will appeal to you. 
I pull my remaining hair out when I think of the fact that 33% of Canadians voted for Justin Trudeau last time. I don't think I'd call all of them stupid, although a lot of them probably are. I, I don't know. I think most liberals actually have a good reason to vote liberal. It's not that they're dumb. Actually, they're, they're smart about it. They, they like the welfare state. They feel good when Trudeau attacks the oil patch and says climate action a lot because it actually doesn't cost them any jobs. It just costs those Albertans jobs. Um, I think liberal voters are afraid of conservatives because the media demonizes them. Those are all different than saying liberals are stupid. So as I said, like I, I don't agree with the particulars there. Like obviously, I probably do want some sort of social safety net. Yeah. I don't necessarily think that I agree with global warming because the jobs won't be mine that are taken away. Whatever stupid point he was making there, but. The point I'm making is that I can see why the audience would listen to that and immediately go, oh, Ezra sounds like the reasonable one because he's be like, he's not calling everyone stupid who doesn't agree with. Yeah, he only just with. makes sexist comments. And yeah, <laughs> I mean, we're ignoring all the other bullshit. Makes fun of Trudeau's <laughs> beard for weeks on end. But my point is we shouldn't give him any win. We shouldn't give him any like leeway to make him appeal to his audience as the reasonable one because of how unreasonable he really is. Uh, and so don't mock Southern people is the moral of the story. But then Ezra starts denying that Rick Wilson was ever a Republican. I love how they call Wilson a Republican strategist. Um, I tried to find evidence that he's worked on a Republican campaign in the past 20 years. Um, I couldn't. Maybe he has, but it's pretty good kept secret if he has. But CNN loves having him on the channel because it shows that even Republicans hate Donald Trump. The only reason I wanted to play this, because I was curious with like why 20 years, like he just chose that number. And so first thing I did was go to his Wikipedia page. And it's right, like on the Wikipedia page, it says the last campaign he was involved in was Rudy Giuliani's 2000 Senate campaign. Well, other than he was on a campaign in 2016, but it wasn't a Republican campaign. It was for Evan McMullen, who ran in Utah as an independent conservative. So it's still a conservative campaign, but it was someone who was running against Trump. Throughout his whole entire career, though, Rick Wilson has worked for conservative campaigns. So he worked for, uh, for a Senate race in Florida in the 80s. He then worked for George Bush Sr. in his presidential run. He then worked in the George Bush government as a, a member of the Department of Defense with Dick Cheney. He then helped Mayor Giuliani win his race for mayor of New York. So you can see, like, it's interesting because he was in the sphere of, like, Trump politics, even though now he's trying to be this, like, never-Trump Republican. And it's true, I mean, I don't really know what he did in the past well, at least 16 years. <laughs> but I did go and search on Twitter. I was like, he still existed in that time period, right? Like there wasn't just some 20 year void where like Rick Wilson disappeared into the wilderness. And <laughs> but he was on Twitter and he had some like, even like weird tweets, like conspiracy theories about how like Obama was planting people with Confederate flags and the Tea Party movement to make them see like more crazy than they really are. And, like, <laughs> so he's someone who believed in like weird Republican conspiracy theories, along with uh, people like Ben Shapiro and others at mm. the time. 
So it's weird that, I mean, it's not weird that Ezra's trying to distance himself because anyone that's critical of Trump is going to be someone that Ezra's going to try to distance himself from. But it's like weird that he has to try to sell that to his audience by just being like, he hasn't done anything in the past 20 years. Therefore, he's not a real Republican. I don't even know if he's a Republican at all. He just vanished for 20 years of his life. (laughs) Ezra ends by saying that the media just loves Justin Trudeau and points out that the media is also biased against the NDP and Bernie Sanders. Okay. So, hey, uh, what is it? Broken clock, right? (laughs) Twice a day. (laughs) For the interview segment, Ezra has uh, Sheila. (laughs) Oh, no. I feel like... Are we going to actually like hear her talk? No, we're not going to hear her talk. Although this is going to be an interesting thing to say, I think. I think this is... Because this is an attempt at Sheila doing real journalism. Mm. I still think it fails, but it was at least an attempt. I can give it that. But I do wonder because most of the guests recently have all been like the staff members. And I feel like Ezra's under a lot of stress because of the investigation that we're going to cover later. Yeah. That this is like what he's doing. But this the Sheila piece for now... She filed a Freedom of Information Act, apparently, to get uh, basically the logs of transportation that Christia Freeland has used. Okay. So it'll be things like every time Christia Freeland submits like a, I spent this much money on gas kind of thing and you, you get your receipt or like you hand in your receipts, you get the money back kind of thing. Right. And what... Sheila is arguing (laughs) is that in the logs, she said for some of them, it shows that Christian Freeland flew from one place to the other, but then also had her limo driver drive to that place, meet her there when the airplane lands, Mm -hmm. and then she'll drive around with the limo. And then as the plane flies her back, the limo will drive and so the complaint is that she's like double dipping into like the tax money, basically, where she could have either just driven the limo out there or just fly and ordered an Uber when she gets there or something. This is <laughs> breaking news. And like they're reporting this like this is like we got her breaking news. Oh, my she fucking busts the whole case wide open. <laughs> Liberal corruption, spending your tax money like crazy. This is how they're selling it. And so. They posted the logs and like clever them, the the documents that they got through the Freedom of yeah. Information Act, they've lo- labeled with like rebel news across them and like faint print. So no one can just take the doc, no matter who takes the document to like cover it, it'll have like rebel news plastered on it. So that's what they did. And then. <laughs> so they watermarked it. Yes. Yeah. Then when you're looking at the sheets though, this only occurs between Ottawa and Montreal. So this isn't happening like she's leaving Ottawa and going to Vancouver. Yeah. This is happening between Ottawa and Montreal. What the hell? And that's only a two-hour drive. Yeah. It's not not a huge distance. No. And so part of me, like that is maybe $40 worth of gas. Yeah. And so part of me is like, is is this really a waste of tax money? Because it would actually probably cost more to rent a limo like say because this is the part i don't understand if it's a limo that like she's given as like 
a functionary of the government and a, a, like a minister of the government. She's given this thing. Yeah. Then it would actually cost more money to rent that limo in Montreal than it would to just pay their person to, to go out there and do it, right? They do have a point in the sense like a lot of people get into government and then they spend a lot of money on themselves. Like why does Justin Trudeau need to live in the house that he lives in? Why does he even need to make as much money as he does? I don't know. Um, but it's even like in the provincial government in Ontario right now, they just gave themselves how much of a hike pay increase? Was it like 20 something percent? Like something. I can't remember the exact number. Yeah, it was like insane. And they can't even give uh, working class people, you know, a dollar raise, right? Like it, it's something as arbitrary as that. They just won't won't do it, but will give themselves as much money as possible. And that does come from taxpayers' money. And that's not okay. So I do see the point there. The problem is if a conservative did it, they probably would be in favor of it and try to justify it. I do think that the part you're making is true though, but I do like, I share like the feeling, like when I first read this story, initially how I was going to cover it was like, yeah, if it's happening, this is bad. Yeah. Right? Like, sure. Don't waste money. But the part is like, I don't know. It could be a cost saving measure for like, from my understanding of what's going on here. Well, And in that case, it doesn't really have the like bite that they wanted to, even though maybe there could be something. Yeah, you know? no, I, I agree. Like the two hour, it's not that big of a deal. But I mean, she could have even just rented a car and then went to. But car rentals are expensive. Like if it's just $40 worth of gas versus $100 for a car rental, she's actually saving the government money. I don't know. Then you don't well, this... just take a plane. <laughs> <laughs> no, I know. So the, yeah, it, it's. The plane costs a lot. <laughs> So, I mean, like, I put it as, like, it's kind of cute. They're trying to be investigative journalists here, you know? (laughs) And they might, there might be something here. Like, yeah, exactly. They're trying to get evidence. evidence. Yeah. There's almost a case here. I'd like to see more. Like, I, I hope they don't, if they really cared about investigation, I hope it doesn't end here. I hope they try to get more information. And they also claim that no one else is going to cover this. And so far, they're right. No one has picked up on this. But if they really do find something, pick it up. I think that's something the CBC should talk about. And next you know, Rebel News turns into a left-wing podcast (laughs) about how the rich is exploiting the working class people's money. Hey, I would take that as a win. I think that's a big win. (laughs) It might be a stretch if that's ever going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. January 30th, Ezra begins this episode again, going over some of his favorite parts from the videotape he made during the investigation against him. And then he uses this as a jumping point into talking about like online censorship. I don't fully know how the two are related because what he's being investigated for has nothing to do with online censorship, but... I mean, he's going to argue that it has something to do with censorship. So maybe it's related in that part. Part of what's being put forward is that he's disagreeing with is this idea that we need to minimize harm and disinformation on media sources. And so we've already, he's already sort of been over this in like previous episodes, which is that there's all these laws to try to curb like fake news. And Ezra complains because uh, he's obviously worried that this is going to somehow come back at him. Because right. he makes fake news. <laughs> uh, and my my position has always been like, I don't know. 
I don't know how best to do it if you're going to do it at all. And I am somewhat reticent of giving the liberal government sort of like the, the authority to decide how to regulate online spaces or what that would look like, mainly because I'm worried that they're going to side with the corporations and what they already have in mind uh, in terms of regulating. But I am curious, like, do you have any stance on how to regulate speech online or whether we should, like, are you a liberal at heart that's just like, free speech, let it all hang out? No. <laughs> no, I think you should watch what you say or send them to the gulag. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa, commie's coming right out. <laughs> yeah, I, I have a bit of a liberal spirit in me, which is that, like, part of me thinks that you should be able to have some sort of freedom to say a bunch of stuff online the question is like where to draw that line and so i'm not i'm not of the the opinion that there it has to be like all or nothing so it's like we either have unlimited freedom freedom online or there's no freedom online. i i in all seriousness i do think there needs to be some sort of restriction on what i think what kind of information is being posted and i don't think this just goes for right-wing populism kind of politics. It also goes to like the fact that you have a lot of accounts on like Instagram and Facebook and Twitter that are about homeopathy, for example, and are promoting this as like an evidence-based science when it's really not. And it's dangerous because people will, like I'm just thinking, for example, one of my ex-boyfriends super into homeopathy thought that if you had cancer, you could just starve the cancer out. And if you just ate really good, and there is some evidence that if you like basically ate nothing, you could, but it's it's like a very like no sugar, no salt, no nothing kind of diet. Like it's like you're eating nothing really. Um, but- Breatharians? Say again? Well, there was like a group called Breatharians, I think, which is that like, they think that all you need is sunlight to live. So like I've heard that yeah, yeah. oh he so would, some of them like a few of them he have would totally yeah. he would totally be into that yeah I remember <laughs> I was sent a video and it was of this man in India of course because Indian men are just the old Indian man looks like someone who's wise and knows more about the world <laughs> and it's just this sort of like um, orientalism kind of relationship yeah, yeah. that people have with the like old Indian man kind of symbol of like oh they're so this wise. like guru kind of thing oh such yeah, bullshit yeah. yeah it's it's very ethnocentric actually but it was like this half an hour mini documentary of this guy who lives off sunlight and learned how yeah. to become like a plant and he showed me this and I'm like this is such bullshit uh but whatever I'll just be nice right and I didn't want to call him out because he he really enjoyed this but that's problematic because he's seeing all these videos and as someone who didn't get a lot of education or like how you're saying earlier you didn't have the ability to think critical because you went to school a lot later so you got into like conspiracy theories it's actually dangerous because it's like he wouldn't go to the doctor's yeah. And for all you know, he had issues. And I'm like, why don't you just go for a physical exam? What is the harm? Like, like he he would say to me, I don't need to take medication. I just need to meditate and like 
go out into the forest and like get rooted with the earth or I, I can take natural herbs or medicines to like feel better. And eventually he's going to get really, really ill from actually not treating an infection or if he did have one, right, for example. So his beliefs are very harmful for people and can actually cause physical harm. And I don't know. We need so some the, sort of yeah, the pushback from the civil libertarians is going to be something like, it's okay to choose to do something that's going to harm yourself. Because like, for something like like smoking marijuana, right, there's still harms with that. Of course. But we still like... I'm still okay with people being allowed to do that, right? The issue, though, is that that I have with some of the disinformation is certain medical procedures like this, or like homeopathy, well, medical in quotes, because they're not really medical at all. Yeah. But certain procedures like this, people then start applying them to their children and abusing their kids. And so, like, yeah. there's harmful yeah. effects that affect people that aren't the people who are making the choices for themselves, right? And, and it's hard... It's just like I don't I don't personally know yet where I've come down on the line that yeah. I need to draw a line somewhere. Well, but I still am like I, I feel both impulses. In the case sense. of marijuana, you have videos on YouTube where people say their kids have um, epilepsy or you know some other um, disorder or illness, and they'll like show them rubbing like hemp oil yeah. on the <laughs> chest, and all of a sudden the seizure stops. And I'm like, how do you know that that kid actually had seizures? The only way you could know that is if it was in a controlled lab study where there was a treatment group without, a, and then a, a controlled, no, a treatment group and then a, a non-treatment group. Yeah. And then you had scientists controlling for that. You're one kid who just happened to stop seizuring, which all I know is you're just... Well, especially in the video alone, like I, I don't know enough about him oil or like that kind of stuff to know whether just it actually up, has a therapeutic no, effect we but, don't know as science, oh, okay, science yeah, yeah. there there's not i don't know recent studies but from when i looked this up which was like years ago yeah okay there was nothing because i heard that argument over and over again and it's just inconclusive evidence like a lot of it's just non-significance um in the studies but if someone does have a study that shows that it is beneficial that's fine, right? But it's the fact that people will see a video on YouTube and then believe that that hemp oil now is going to solve seizures rather than consulting with the doctor and then letting the doctor be like, let us give you hemp oil because we've found some studies that help with this, this, this. Yeah, that's that's on the dangerous end to me. Like, because the other, the other end of it is like, I'm actually okay with someone who's just like, I want to get high today. Like, yeah, yeah, that's <laughs> different though. You know, whatever. But the point is, is like, in the other case, it becomes dangerous to the point of like maybe that other person who's rubbing hemp oil on them and it's not, there's no science to back up that it'll work. They're going to neglect doing actual therapies that would help or like other things. Yeah. So like they have these other like negative implications, right? Yeah. Um, and another example I'm thinking of, thinking of just to move away from the homeopathy kind of medicine stuff, because that's not the only danger. But what I'm thinking of is... Uh, perceptions of women's bodies, products for women, uh, even men as well, that are completely fake. And I'm actually very happy. So Instagram now, if you're under the age of 18, they actually, I think, I'm not sure if they remove the content for like diet products um, and weight loss promotion and plastic surgery for people that are under the age of 18. So if you put your settings to say you're 18 and you're on Instagram, those things will be blocked out for you. And the reason they did it is with, because 
these young girls were seeing celebrities such as like Khloe Kardashian, who was advertising um, teas that were basically laxatives. Okay. I, no, it's it's no. I know because then people uh, aren't going to like withhold nutrients. They're going to be shitting it all out. So it was this laxative tea, and then she was saying that I drink, you know, skinny tea. I drink everyone. I drink one every morning. Uh, it made me lose about fifteen pounds in just like you know a couple of months. And so these young girls are taking it. And then they're not actually eating properly. But not only that, they don't know what the truth is. The truth is, Khloe Kardashian has plastic surgery, right? She's gotten tons yeah, of plastic yeah. surgery, even though she won't admit that she got plastic surgery. And it's fine if you want to go get plastic surgery, but admit it. Like, don't say to these young girls who you're a role model for that you don't have plastic surgery. Well, especially if you're making the claim that you could look like me if you do this. That's other what thing that's what that, that's what I was about to get to, right? She's got personal trainers that she works with on a daily basis, nutritionists that make all her food for her. On top of taking this laxative tea. You're not going to look like that, even if you take this laxative tea. And that's super damaging to your self-esteem and your body image, right? It's not okay. And so Instagram has actually taken steps to um, not even just remove content for certain age groups, but actually highlight if it's um, a sponsored product endorsement. So what I started noticing online is if I'm looking at, I don't know, like a beauty bloggers and she's talking about how much she loves this product, it will say if she got paid or not to do that, that sponsorship for that product. So now I know, well, she's getting paid to say that she likes this product. Does this product actually work? Because before what was happening is you would see these like videos or you'd show see girls and they'd be talking about oh my gosh like these this clothes these clothes are the best clothes like they they you know they make your butt look great they make your they make you look a lot slimmer and then you're paying like hundreds of dollars for I don't know a pair of leggings for example yeah, yeah. and then you don't look like that girl in the picture and you're like what the fuck and then you think what's wrong with me yeah, and, yeah, and that creates some psychological harm. So now at least I know that girl's getting paid to endorse those leggings. It's not just this girl who makes this lifestyle blog and she's not getting paid and she's just trying to give genuine advice to everyday people. This is a good point, actually, because there are areas in which we do regulate certain speech. Like there are rules in how you're allowed to advertise and not advertise. And that's going to affect various ways you can communicate, right? My point is just like it's it isn't an easy thing to figure out. But I think like Ezra's whole thing is just to let the floodgates burst because he wants to be able to be the bigoted piece of shit that he is. It, no, of course. And that's in itself, it's dangerous too. You can't yeah. just have any opinion, despite how controversial you think it is. You can't, you can't do that, but you have to. Especially if it promotes hate. Like I think yeah. our line has been like promotion of hatred, hate speech. Is... I think when it comes to actual, what content should be, censored or or blocked i think it needs to be a case-by-case -case basis yeah i don't think you could have this wide sweeping argument that this all this content's good none of this content is good we would have to evaluate case by case well like anything you no matter what you do in the law it's never going to be that uh specific anyways they're going to have to have cases and then like work out general? precedent yeah. Yeah. Because of this discussion, actually, Ezra then wants to get philosophical about what it means to be a journalist. Code of conduct for news reporting on the internet for opinions. I report news. I also give opinions. Is there a code of conduct for opinions? Yeah, no. That would only mean censorship and government control. And the thing about journalism, even though journalists are generally as a class pompous and arrogant, 
There is no actual qualification or license to be a journalist. It's just something you do by doing it. How do you know if someone's a journalist? If they start doing journalism, if they start reporting something or giving an opinion, anyone can cook. You don't need to go to chef's school to cook. It might make you a better chef, a uh, better cook if you go to a chef's school. Maybe not, though. Uh, but you can't say to other people, no, you're not allowed to boil an egg or make toast without our code of conduct. This is a huge but vague document, by the way, this report. The, the vague document he's talking about there is the government report on like regulating these kind of things. But part of what it means to be a journalist is someone who gathers information and conveys that information to the public. I think Rebel has a lot of the trappings of being a journalist, just like the Sheila piece we covered a, a few minutes ago. But what they end up conveying to the public is always horribly misleading. You can, of course, never get rid of bias, but when you start engaging in intentional acts of deceptions, it starts to blur the lines between being a journalist and being a propagandist for me. This isn't simply a matter of like good versus bad journalism, like that stupid like cooking analogy, because I think that what the rebel is doing is not simply bad journalism, because it's not like they're like trying to convey the facts and then stumbling over their feet and like fucking up. What they're going is like, here's the facts. Here's how I'm going to manipulate them in a specific way to sell something to this audience. I mean, I don't think that any journalist really conveys the truth, so. <laughs> Look at you, postmodern Caitlin. Oh, it is a little postmodern. It's kind of gross. But uh, no, in a way, like it's, they don't, right? Like it's. But I think there's a difference between bias and an intentional manipulation of the facts. Sure. That's, that's kind of what I'm getting at. Because I don't think that they just have a bias. I don't, I mean, Ezra is definitely biased. But I don't think what he's doing here on his show is merely the presentation of his bias, if that makes sense. I think there's some craft going on that is not journalism. It's propaganda is basically how I would put it. Yeah. In the interview section, Ezra has on Andrew Lawton. And he's going to Halifax to cover a speech by Omar Qadar. The speech will be at Dalhousie University, and this leads Ezra to talk about free speech on university campuses. Oh, here we go. I follow, as you do too, uh, free speech on campus, and I always see an instance of a conservative or a pro-life club or something like that, a Christian club, being shut down, being banned. Uh, recently, a Jewish club was banned from York University and then reinstated. It's hard sometimes to speak on campus if you're conservative. Um, you have to pay security fees, etc. Halifax, Dalhousie University, one of the most prestigious universities in the country, is rolling out the red carpet for this murderer while they crack down on free speech for loyal Canadian citizens. When we went to the protest at King's with the pro-choice group, the students weren't allowed into the building, yet the pro-life group was allowed to screen their misleading propaganda film. And yet, notice how Ezra talks about it's the pro-life groups that are being censored on campus. Also, York University did ban Herut, which is not just a Jewish club, but a pro-Israel club. But York University also banned the York Students Against Israeli Apartheid group that was also engaged in that protest. And both were reinstated at the same time. But again, Ezra only covers the fact that Herut was banned and then reinstated. 
because of course it can never be the left that's being censored on campus. It's always the right, even though this is a clear case where they were both banned. And arguably, I think the Heirut was a little bit more of a legitimate band since a lot of the videos showed them more violently or harming the, the Palestinian activists. You can go check our interview with Mo as well. Mo was pretty cool. He was uh, one of the organizers at that event. Before we started doing this podcast, Kian gave one of his super special harassment treatments to uh, Kader, walking up and just calling him a terrorist. <laughs> and Ezra plays the clip. I'm not going to play it. It's, it's kind of quiet and doesn't like you can't make it out as well. But he goes up and uh, calls him a terrorist. And then Ezra basically brags that like we're the only media outlet that's done this. And I don't know how (laughs) I heard that. And I was just like, good for you. (laughs) They're also the only media outlet that's being kicked out of events because they're calling people terrorists. (laughs) But part of it, like you can hear too. I feel like the person that's with Catter like laughs when he hears Kian say this. And so it's just like, what, like what, what is the point of you even saying that? Cause like, for one, you wouldn't lead with something like that in the first place if you're a real journalist. Because now you're, you're, what other question are you going to get? They've already dismissed you as being ridiculous. Yeah. But two, like the reason why people don't do it is because like life is messy. Like you don't, <laughs> you don't just go up to someone just like, you're a blank. And then stick a <laughs> microphone in their face. <laughs> you know what reminds me of? It's like when kids on the playground dare each other to go up and say something to someone. Yeah. <laughs> go dare you to call me terrorist. Go do it. You can do it. I'll give you a dollar if you go do it. That's what's David like. Menzies is behind a bush. <laughs> <laughs> He's gonna do it. Yeah, exactly. Oh my god. Yeah, they're just so embarrassing. Like the and it's the fact that he it was kind of like out of context in the whole segment too. It was just they were talking about Catter, and then all of a sudden, I was just like, oh yeah, remember that time when Key ended this? Like, he's so happy about it. Ezra does end the show by talking about how his book is now on the top of the Amazon charts uh, because of the whole investigation thing that's happening. And uh, you can tell that this is what their business model is. We'll get into more detail in the next episode. But you can tell, like, they got in this like legal issue and now they're using it to promote their book and sell their book january 31st the final episode of the week and ezra wants to talk about the original wexit brexit oh (laughs) so for those who don't know brexit has been technically finalized i guess it passed passed, and uh it's now happening Ezra starts by talking about his own personal relationship with the UK. And he's like, I only went there a few times growing up until I met Tommy. (laughs) And he says it like, I didn't play it because like whatever, it's just one small clip. But he says it in a way where I was like, it sounds like longing. Like, Tommy, (laughs) my friend. But the episode isn't really that interesting because Ezra is just doing a brief history of the whole Brexit thing. And of course, it's done with like a positive vibe. Like he reads a poem about how great Britain is and 
<laughs> and uh, just plays clips of Farage and Johnson and Gross. like talks about how great they are. And yeah, so I just ignored all the Brexit coverage. But he ends with an interview with Kian. So you see, it's all we had Sheila, Kian, and Lawton, all the the regular Classic. old uh, the classics, people. yeah, <laughs> the classics. All we're missing is the menzoid. What is this? Are you guys kidding me? Ezra then, uh, so he has Kian on to like continue to uh, pump up this documentary that we're going to cover, and. One thing that is worth talking about, though, because we can get to the documentary when we decide to get to it, but they do talk about how depression is contagious. And their argument is that Greta being given this platform is somehow harming other children because her depression will be like so contagious, it'll just like sink into people. And the thing is, it is true that evidence. Uh, that there is evidence that depression can be somewhat contagious in the sense that if I'm around uh, you, Caitlin, and for whatever reason you're really depressed, some of that might like rub off on me. But that's a, a different relationship than between, say, Greta, who's like a million miles away from me, somehow affecting me, right? Yeah, by, telling by me, me I see... need to change and get up yeah. and go and do stuff really <laughs> makes me want to lay in bed and be depressed, right? Well, that is the other thing. I had that as one of my points, which is that she inspires more optimism than depression. Like, even if she used to be depressed, yeah, when she's on the TV, she's not like, oh, I'm so depressed. We should all just stay in bed and not do anything because the world's going <laughs> to end. the fires of Australia consume us all. <laughs> <laughs> it's more of like, we need to do something and we need to fight back. Yeah, so, that gets me motivated. But on the other hand, I mean... Global warming is depressing. And maybe it's something that we should, like, maybe not to be depressed on it such that you lack the motivation to do anything about it, but, like, it should be something that we are concerned about and worried about. But, of course, they're, like, they think it's going to spread mental illness and create kids that are afraid that the world's going to end. But it's, like, if the world really is ending, then we need to do something to inspire them to do something about it. Yeah, exactly. They also criticized Greta's plan to incorporate as a nonprofit. So a nonprofit. So I guess this came out recently this week. And they then level accusations of hypocrisy that she's just doing this to sub subsidize her lavish lifestyle. And again, I have no evidence that she has a lavish lifestyle. And this is really the only way they can attack Greta because they can't like attack the science. So it's got to be like, she's a hypocrite or look at her. She's like living off of her riches rather than fighting the climate or some other bullshit like that. I'd also like to remind everyone that like just a few weeks ago, Mark Morano was on and they both, him and Ezra were talking about how we should stop focusing on Greta. And since then, they produced a 30 minute documentary and a pretty they much love her. Greta, like every episode. They yeah. love her. They're obsessed. <laughs> Ezra then decides to ask Kian about the Unifor pickets in Alberta oh, against hey. the refinery co-op. And they play a clip. I think you'll like this clip. How are you? Good, how are you? All oh, Why? Why is that? Because you're I'm not a journalist. journalist. <laughs> are you are you guys from Al wing fucking assholes? Get out <laughs> from Alberta? Here you fucking right wing assholes. From Alberta? Beat it. Beat it. Is anyone here from Alberta? Right-wing assholes. From Alberta? Are you from Alberta? Are you from Alberta? Are you from Alberta? One day. Are you from Alberta? One day 
One day stronger. <laughs> so Kian goes up to these like union people who are blocking this. Uh, this this isn't the people who are blocking the actual refinery co-op. These are people who are blocking. Uh, they're doing another illegal blockade somewhere else. And I have so much respect for those people. No. <laughs> I don't know them. Don't know their names. Don't even know what they look like. But yeah. I love them. Yeah, just like immediately. You're not a journalist. You're a right-wing asshole. <laughs> Get away, you right-wing asshole. Love it. I know. It's so amazing. Uh, but yeah, Kian, so he... Do you know what Praxis looks like? That's what Praxis yeah. looks like. like. <laughs> but this, that is that is exactly how you handle Kian. Yeah. Like you don't you don't play like these games. You just be like, get the fuck out of here. <laughs> but yeah, so he he ends upset because these other unif like not just uniform, but other union activists have come over from all over the country and they've been setting up like illegal things. They've been putting on pressure. And here's the thing is some of them argue it isn't illegal or illegal and like the issue with legality is often these things have to get worked out in the court. Like they can try, they'll come up with an argument and be like, well, it's not really illegal because blah, 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 blah. And this is something that both sides do all the time. So this isn't just a union particular thing of trying to get away with doing things. But what they're trying to do is put pressure on the refinery by blocking other gas pumps that are taking cool. oil from yeah. the refinery, right? So they're they're putting on labor pressure is what they're doing. And so they set up these fences, which are quasi-illegal because they're on the the... Uh, co- not the co-op, but like wherever they're blocking property and stuff like yeah. that. The co-op is fighting for uh, their currently defined pension benefits. So the reason why they're on strike right now, they have this benefit package, or pension package, and the co-op wants to get rid of it. And they're like, no, fuck you. And so on that end of it, like I agree with the union organizers. Yeah. Ezra seems to be against it. And all I can see from why he's against it is because it has to do with oil and gas. That because they're blocking oil and gas, it's a bad thing. The other thing that I want to say about the actual labor action is that this is actually uh, unifying the labor movement. So you had uh, Jerry Diaz got arrested and we've been critical of Diaz on this podcast before. But the fact that he's willing to stand up and get arrested, I think... All props to them. Not only that, but the uniform was kicked out of the CLC for its rating behaviors, which means that it's when a union goes and poaches another unionized group and tries to get that unionized group to switch over. So let's say you're with uh, QP, for example, the Canadian Union of Public Employees, right? Yeah. Um, And then Unifor comes in. And they poach it and take that that union that was once QB and it becomes Unifor. And so they got kicked out of the CLC from that. But then Hassan Youssef, who's the CLC president, flew down to support Unifor, which yes. just was a huge thing for us, beca- or the labor movement in general. I mean, unionized worker, that's why I'm saying yes. <laughs> um, and it, it's just, it's really good because it helped unify those two groups that have been distant from each other due to past actions by Unifor. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, like good things are coming out of it. And like, this is something that should be celebrated uh, rather than, of course, Ezra. And, and, and the funny thing, like this is just like a weird irony. Like we've talked before about Ezra highlighting the union people he does like, which he describes as like the more manly occupations as opposed to yeah, those blue like, collar work. Yes. These are the exact union people that he has previously on the show pretended that he supports. And now he's against them. Yeah. And it's likely because he really is just anti-union in general, and he's only trying to appeal to union people 
uh, when it's uh, opportunistic. But it's also the fact that this is oil and gas, and that really seems to rub him over. You know how much he loves his oil and gas? Pipes. Pipelines. <laughs> Metals. But we're now at the, the part I foreshadowed at the beginning of the episode. Oh, no. The cops you talked to there, the cops who said they were going to do nothing, um, they're paid by taxpayers to enforce the law. They're called law enforcement officers. And if they won't enforce the law, um, in this case, against trespass, you could even call it false imprisonment, perhaps. Um, one day, someone who's in a bad situation will take the law in their own hands in a vigilante way. Now, that might just be driving over this poorly erected fence to get their gas, but it could be something more. And in that case, I think the in fact, right now, the scrutiny should turn to the RCMP. Why are they standing down? It reminds me completely of when they stood by as that farm invasion robbery uh, of 50 or 60 environmental extremists attacked a turkey farm. Well, they're doing... I knew it was going to go there. Uh, you know, a dozen union extremists are doing the same in southern Alberta to a gas station, and the RCMP is just sitting around. It's bringing the police into disrepute. There's good reasons why the police might not uh, be engaging, which is concerns about safety or also about public opinion. It is, again, ironic that Ezra speaks about the law as a kind of black and white, but it isn't that simple, obviously. We've already sort of like gone over these things especially considering Ezra's own case. Ezra is outraged at the mere thought that he is being investigated, even though investigating is precisely what police officers are tasked with doing. So you can see the moves he is making. Ezra is upset with this blockade, not because it's illegal, but because Ezra doesn't like unions and doesn't like blocking oil and gas companies. And Ezra is sympathetic to people running over protesters, not because it's legal, it isn't, but because Ezra agrees with the people who would do that, and he doesn't agree with the protesters. That's, that's, he's coming at it with a moral framework. He's just not spelling it out so he can have this like weird distance or plausible deniability, or to project this idea that he's just talking about facts. Like, oh, well, somebody might just lose their mind and go run over protesters, and I understand it. And he gets more clear with it. Like, he is very specific that he completely sympathizes with somebody running into this crowd. I mean, I'm not for physical assault, but I tell you, if a guy's blocking a truck and if he's a trespasser himself and he's got an illegal fence, you know, I don't prescribe violence. I certainly don't. Not that that guy was hurt, but you can understand why a guy who needs to fill up with gas because maybe his car's going to run out of gas or he needs to, whatever reason, you can understand the frustration there. And I blame the cops who are right there allowing that to happen. I, I'm not for violence, but I can understand it when some union boss who has no connection to the location is stopping a, a local community from living. Very, very frustrating. How many times does he say, I understand, no, in that sentence? Yeah, he's even trying to promote it. That's the problem. And this is dangerous because groups like United We Roll, who did the huge convoy from Alberta to Ottawa about uh, taxes, they've been posting outright calls for violence against protesters on their Facebook group. Yeah. And as I was doing this research, it came out that they did, in fact, go through the blockade at this place. They didn't harm anyone, thankfully, but it is still dangerous 
And my guess is what happened, at least I, I got this impression from Emily uh, Leadham, who is uh, one of the people who does uh, Rank and File yeah. uh, Prairie, Prairie uh, podcast. She had a tweet basically saying that what likely happened is they realized the threat and the union people just let them through. And of course they would, because when you realize these are the type of people who are going to just drive through you or have been threatening to do it, you'll find some way to mitigate the, the damage if necessary, right? But that isn't good. And the fact that he constantly in these kinds of situations promotes violence, promotes violence, or at least sympathizes with it to the point where it's like you can hear it in the tone of his voice. Just listen to how go back and listen to it and just hear how he emphasizes understand several times. I understand if someone does it. Right. It's almost like I feel like he's, he's giving trying to, you. He's trying to motivate someone to yeah. do it. That's what he's trying to do. And I mean, I can't say that for sure. It's carefully worded, but it feels that way to me. And that's it. What's the update on the caucuses? Do we know? Well, um, from what I saw is the raw, raw counts. <laughs> we still just have the raw counts? I, yeah, I could. Well, actually, wait, wait, wait. No, it is... I will say, at the end of this, no matter what happens in Iowa, go Bernie. And just for the good news segment, we're going to play this really awesome clip of uh, an ad that was made with Killer Mike. And it's a fucking incredible advertisement for Bernie. But the Iowa caucuses are happening as we speak. I think they said results were going to start coming in at 8.30. It's now yeah. 9 o'clock. Um... Caitlin's on the reporting, cutting edge, live coverage, <laughs> Iowa <Stop>. caucus. <laughs> well, um, speaking of journalism, I'm just not good at it. <laughs> I don't really see any results. I just want to say one of my favorite writers growing up was a man named James Baldwin. And I remember Baldwin saying, you ask my father to wait, my brother to wait, my uncle to wait. How long must I wait on freedom? How long must I wait on rights and equality and liberty? And as a black child, that resonated with me because I knew I had been denied and I personalized that. But as I grew, I started to understand poor white people have been denied. Women have been denied. Gays and lesbians, transgender people been denied. Immigrant children been denied. Everybody outside of that 1% has been denied. So I want you to take a few seconds to look to your left and look to your right. Look to your neighbor and say, neighbor, the time is now. There are more of us. We're stronger. We will wait no longer. The time is now. When you go to that booth next year, I need you to carry in that booth the memory of this room. Black, white, straight, gay, men, female. We are together. We are united. Our time is right now. We will not wait four more years. We will not wait 20 more years. We will not wait two more presidents. We will not wait three more presidents. The time is now. 
the future. The time is not some abstract time. The time is not something that might be. The time ain't something that could be. The time ain't nothing that should be, that would be. It ain't tomorrow. It ain't the day after. It ain't coming next week. The time is. The time is. The time is. The time is. Senator Bernard Sanders will be the next president of the United States of America. Thank you. Enjoy what you've heard so far, Kalen. How excited are you about the closing of the show? <laughs> Please give us feedbacks over on patreon.com slash imperial news. If you want to stay informed about what we are doing, you can also find us on Twitter at Imperial News with a Z or Z, whatever you prefer. We have an Instagram account, News Imperial. We have a private Facebook group called Imperial News. We also have a Discord set up. You can find the link on our Twitter. Lastly, you can email us any questions at imperial.fake.news at gmail.com. Special thanks to my friend Mason Tickle for their transition beats. You can find his work at striatum.bandcamp.com. Thank you for listening. And in the 20 years Rick Wilson was missing, he was being cognitively reconstructed by the Defense Department to become a new and approved mediocre talking head on CNN. And now nothing can stop him. Albumia, Albumia, how lovely are your wheat fields.